Step into your authentic self and find genuine power with Gina Gardiner, number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment coach, and transformational leadership trainer. Gina suffered a serious accident at 29, leaving her paralyzed and learning how to walk not once but twice. It's not the challenges which define us, but what we do with them. You are not broken and you are enough. Gina has dedicated her life to helping people recognize that you have a choice to be happy, to be successful, and to live life full of joy and fulfillment. Access your inner resources to live life fearlessly. Find your true purpose and feel self-confident. Connect with Gina Gardiner at genuinely-u.com. That's Gina Gardiner at genuinely-u.com. Hello everyone and welcome to our Genuine Dialogue. I'm Gina Gardner and I'm joined by my good friend Deborah Thorne. Once a month we get together, each of us one side of the pond, um, the Atlantic, and we have a conversation about a particular theme. Today's theme is about unconscious bias and we'd like to invite you to think about how you, like every one of us, will have unconscious bias. So I'm going to open the conversation by asking you to really start off. We've had a little pre-conversation and I think it was too juicy um, to be missed. So handing over to you. Okay. Thanks so much, Gina, and welcome everybody. Um, what we're talking about is unconscious bias. It's, I believe that each of us in our socialization have ways that we feel about people who are a certain age, a certain color, a certain race, religion, height, weight, uh, eye color, all of these things, whether you're aware of it or not, you've kind of made up your mind about them. And what I want us to do, because we're talking leadership, we're talking leadership local, we're talking it global, how can I be more aware of it, you know, and think about it. So I was sharing with Gina that I belong to two professional organizations that I'm very active in. And both of them are multicultural. But in saying that they're multicultural, I'm saying they're predominantly organizations of white women and there are some women of color, I being one of them, in the organization. And we have no risk. There's no problem. What I noticed, though, and, you know, and I go to lots of events because I'm very active in both organizations, I, I am hosting a conference next month, and the speakers, six of them, happen to be all black. Okay. The award winners are all women, and they're two black women and two white women. That just happens to be how it is. Okay, the optics or whatever the optics are. But what I find very interesting is that some of my colleagues have said things like, oh, is this an all-black event? No, no more than it's an all-white event when I go some, to something that my organizations are doing. And I thought, wow, how do I even say to them, are you aware of what you're doing? You know, this kind of bias. And, and what is your thought? Is If it is, let's say it was an all-black event. Could you not go? Do you feel you're not welcome? I mean, what is all this undertow going? So that's where I am today, Gina. What do you I think? Fascinating because we are conditioned so much when we're brought up by not understanding the 
import of what's said, but by the very nature of the way our parents' body language, our parents' tone, things that they don't say as well as those that they do. When we go to school, that's continued, that conditioning. We're conditioned by the news. We're conditioned by so many things. Um, and I think you're right that it's the awareness, because unless you're aware, you can't do anything about it. But I want to share a story, um, a personal story, where I had a really powerful lesson about unconscious bias. Now, at that time, I was a very young teacher. I'd only been teaching about three or four years. And I was involved in organizing an environmental studies exhibition. And I had permission to go to the teacher's center on the Saturday. And it was arranged that there would be somebody there to help me. Um, they'd do the lifting and carrying for me to mount all of this exhibition. And it was to, to the teacher's center was a very big center, lots of rooms. So it was, a, it was going to be a very busy day. And I was going to be joined a little later by some other teachers. But I arrived first thing in the morning and the gentleman who opened the centre for me, I want you to imagine that he was uh, tattooed, his whole face, his torso, down his arms. It looked like he had a, um, a patterned paisley t-shirt on, but it was actually tattooed. He had horn, you know, those great big whole earrings with horns in. He had a bolt through his nose. And I was very intimidated by this. My unconscious bias was that here is somebody who is dangerous, that this is somebody who is going to be tough. He had a skinhead hair cut, he had shorts and bobber boots on, you know, great big Doc Martin boots on. The reality was that this guy was, had such a big heart that he spent his spare time uh, working with a, a voluntary organization that brought together children who were disabled and able-bodied to give parents respite care. He could not have been more gentle, more caring, more thoughtful. And it gave me such a jolt that my initial reaction was one of, I don't feel safe here. This is somebody who is going to be, and I had all of these stereotypical views of how this particular person was going to be. And I recognized in myself there how I had unconscious bias. And actually, then it became conscious bias, and it gave me an opportunity to do something differently. But I think all of us, in some way, have unconscious bias, whether it's we see somebody who's very small and we make uh, judgments about how capable they are, or there's somebody who, um, who's big in terms of how they're going to be, or people are wearing a hoodie, or people who live in a particular neighborhood. We make such judgments all the time, don't we? We absolutely do, and I, I guess what I'm asking us to do is to think about that, Think when you when you go to think about someone, how are you receiving them? Because many times these same people, those of us, you know, you're not, I know you, so being biased is not who you are. You wouldn't, you know, you're not prejudging anybody. But this stuff is so deep in us that we look at someone and we make uh, you know, some assumptions about them. I assume that people with blonde hair do X, Y, Z. I assume people with brown eyes think this way. And it is so far off. And here in the United States, 
I don't believe, at least in my lifetime that I'm aware, that we have been more polarized than we are right now. And it is, you know, for those of us who, you know, live in a multicultural world, live in a global, I mean, look, I'm sitting here talking to my friend in the UK. So we're living globally, we're enjoying this. And to find out that this time in 2019, our country is so divided. I thought we were beyond that. And so when we're that divided on things, all things political and out there, then the other biases rise as well. And I just think it's an opportunity for each of us to stop and think. Really, you know, the teachers and your parents just tell you, stop and think before you speak. Yeah. I think we even need to think before we think, you know, because We've what been- makes... Yes, I'm going to say we've talked before about 95% of our thoughts are habitual. We don't give our thoughts any conscious brain. It just happens at an unconscious level. So unless you think about the quality of your thinking, you're going to find yourself in this cycle of, of, of making snap judgments about things where you haven't thought it through. And that becomes your way of being. It becomes an entrenched habit. And I think you're absolutely right. We live it in times where we've been encouraged, I think, by politicians because of the model that they show us. We've been encouraged to, to divide, to be fearful. And it really tunes into our caveman and woman um, concern that if you, in those times anybody who was different was a threat to your survival. You know, if you were a, a, a part of another tribe or clan, the chances are you were coming to to steal or or um, to take the women to take resources. But I'd like to think in you know the year 2019, almost 2020, that we had evolved far beyond that. But the sad thing is, I don't think that we've evolved. And I think in the last few years, I think that we've taken a, a huge step backwards. I think if you go in the 90s and early 20s, um, people were much more ready to give people an opportunity, a chance. And I think part of it, too, for me, is that because we thought we had gone so much further on, we were not aware and we've allowed erroneous thinking to like take root. And those of us who don't think that way have to be mindful to speak. First of all, be mindful and be sure that we're not part of the problem, you know, that adage, you're the part of the problem if you're not part of the solution. And being part of the solution, speaking up, and you know, you don't have to be mean or anybody, but just ask them, why do you think that about those people? And have people to start thinking about why it is they're saying what they're saying. But I can't remember whose quote it was, but, you know, the only thing for evil to continue is for good men to stay quiet or good women. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you look at the macro, you look at at politics, you look at countries at war with one another. But there is nothing to stop us in the micro, within our families, within our schools, our communities, our organisations, to say, that's not acceptable. That's not right. what we're about. We're a civilized country. Everybody has um, something to offer. 
you know, it's about judging that person on that person, how they are, how they operate in the world, rather than making these, these snap judgments or these, uh, some of them aren't snap, are they? Actually thinking about it. <laughs> no. They are entrenched judgments that don't cross our common sense and conscious mind. They're just old, I was going to use a very rude word actually, but that's just <laughs> old um, manure. That okay. just, That'll work. Um, just sitting there, festering, waiting, yes. um, ready to catch us out. And if we don't sort this out as a human race, I don't think we've got a future. Well, it's, it, it, it's ugly. It really is. I don't know if you guys use the term there. We have a term politically correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And so its original meaning was to remind us yes. that everything that you say and think doesn't need to come out of your mouth. No. Think about how it might, um, how it might be of, how it might affect someone else. Yes. Well, now here, People go, well, I don't go for all that political correct stuff. I'm just going to say, well, no, we're not just going to say anything and everything that you want, you know. It, yeah, not good, not good. In the UK, in certain areas, political correctness was taken to such stupid levels. So you couldn't talk about black coffee. Um, the, the nursery rhyme, bar, bar, black sheep, became bar, bar, green sheep. Oh, yeah. See, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, and you think, so if you think that that's going to stop discrimination, then you've got to screw loose. Yeah, All you that's don't understand. going to do is entrench it, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, when you said that, I thought about another story, because stories are what help people to understand. Yeah. So I'm at an event, another conference. I like conferences, clearly. And the woman at the desk tells me that I need to speak to Mary about an issue I had, whatever the issue was. And I said, okay, who is Mary? There's that woman over there and she points. And I look over where she's pointing and there are two women standing there. They are both dressed in red. And the only obvious difference is one woman is white and one woman is black. And she says, well, you see Mary over there? She's in the red dress. And I go, <laughs> they both have on red dresses? Well, uh, Mary, I said, do you mean the black lady? Well, yeah, I didn't want to say it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, for real? That was, you weren't talking about her race. You were giving me a description. Yeah. That's when I think it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. And I it's okay. Yeah. doesn't mm -hmm. serve us, does it? Not at all. Not at all. So you get people who then become very upset that that's happened, and then that entrenches their view that they're, that people are unreasonable. When actually, it's not them being unreasonable. It's somewhere several steps behind at a political level who's made this crackpot decision um, that mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen. But I mean, um, listeners may not be aware that I'm disabled and I use a wheelchair. And my secretary used to get a, a, a certain enjoyment before I had my electric travel chair and could drive myself. She would push me around the town um, and people would say in that voice, would she like a sweetie? <laughs> She'd just go off into hysterics. Um, 
And, you know, I can remember going to um, a, a head teachers or principals conference. We'd taken over the whole hotel. There was nobody else in the hotel apart from principals. And I went up to the bar. Somebody had pushed me. Again, I didn't have an electric wheelchair at that time. And I presented my £20 note. And the guy behind the, uh, the, guy behind the bar said to the person behind me, would she like a drink? <laughs> So yes. it's not just about colour. Oh, absolutely. I am not in any way trying to diminish that that is, uh, must be <laughs> an incredibly difficult thing to deal with. But we also have it ageist. You know, you are uh, a certain age, therefore you're expected to be gaga. When you know, yes. I know many yeah. people who are in their 80s and 90s, and, and a lady across the way who's 106, Okay. Sharp as a tack, who okay. has the most amazing intellect, but we make that these just snap decisions. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, we do the something to, same thing towards young people. You know, people. You should hear what people say about millennials, and it's like, no, no, no. And I've had to stop a couple of people. Oh, I call them the youngins. That's not okay. No, you don't want them calling you the old people. Certainly don't. <laughs> so for real. So how do you think, you know, you just, and when you said that, when you were telling the stories of the chairs, I have a friend who um, has cerebral palsy and he requires a caregiver and he is not able to do things, but he's, you know, he's sharp. He can interact and stuff. And I heard a woman, we were on a cruise ship and this woman comes up and says to him, May I take your picture? You look so shiny. And I went, shiny? What? And then he says, just watch. I saw somebody pat him on his head. This oh, is a grown man. No, I've been like, patted on the head in lifts and told oh how to I thought about having a sign on the back of my wheelchair that said, be careful, she bites. Okay, for real, for real, for real. And you know what? Are you hearing noise? I apologize. They decided to do some work outside. And if that is, I need to get up and close the door. Can you hear it? No, you're all right. Okay, we're okay. All right. Sorry, listeners. You know, this is just really life, okay? And I, I didn't want to ignore it. No. But um, yeah, okay, no, so we're good. I, I, certainly, I can't hear it. So I'm okay. assuming that I'll. Well, listen. if they hear it, they'll know that people are doing work. That somebody has a job. How about that? <laughs> That's how I look at it. it but, oh, God. It's interesting how there are certain things which shift people's consciousness. Okay. So for me, the big watershed in terms of disability was the 2012 Olympics. Okay. The Paralympics. Okay. Oh, so okay. Prior to the Paralympics, it was very noticeable. If I was um, in my by this time I'd got an electric wheelchair and I'd approached the door of a shop, um, I would often be left to struggle. When people watched the 2012 Paralympics, what the media did, which I th actually thought was pretty good, is that they, they shared people's story and they shared people's struggle. And people mm. saw, instead of somebody who is broken and unable, what they saw is somebody who was inspirational. Right. Yeah. So whilst it's not perfect by any means, there has been a huge shift in, in people's, con they, will, they will actually notice and, and offer to help. And I've seen that shift 
um, not just in this country, uh, and it may be coincidence that I've traveled mm -hmm. quite a lot in the States where there seems to be a, a much, well, earlier on, there was a much greater um, awareness, I think perhaps because of the Vietnam War. Now, one of the, the um, things, if you look, for example, around um, discrimination with color, I don't know about in the States, but here, there are certain towns and cities and certain areas of towns and cities where there is a predominance of, it could not just people of color, but Italians or Greek or Jewish or whatever, because mm -hmm. they tended to settle close together and absolutely temples or churches or whatever, where people congregate and so on. And I find it very interesting then that the people who are on the outside of those areas where there seems to be a greater um, sense of disconnect when actually it would be nice to think that if you lived in close proximity, there'd be the opportunity to get to know one another and actually have an understanding of one another in a way that if you don't see many people of other ethnic minorities, um, or other color or other religion, then if you don't have an experience, then those um, preconceived ideas are less likely to be challenged. But you'd like to think if they're in the same schools and using the same supermarkets, the same petrol stations, that there would be more tolerance. And I think it's a huge sadness that actually what appears we appear to see from uh, the media, the news and so on, is it's quite the opposite. Yeah, we have the same issues here, as you're aware. And one of the things I tell parents, if you spend your time talking about the green people in your house and the green people shouldn't be here and they're taking the jobs and the green people do this, the green people do that. And then you send your children to schools where they have to sit next to green children. You yeah. think there's not going to be conflict? Okay. We all... How about you get to know one another? Now, I watch children, when left to their own devices, they bridge those gaps. They don't see it at all. Okay. No. But when adults... It's, exactly. The adults get busy. Yeah. And, and mess it up. And so, I don't know. See, children don't have those biases until we teach them. And that, to me, is so troubling because... The world is getting absolutely smaller. You're yeah. going to be in contact with people who don't look like you, who don't worship like you, who don't speak. Okay, so we're going to all have to depend on our humanity. Yes. That we are all humans and that in that era, the human condition applies to everybody. We all have the condition. Because I always am amazed. You know, people eat the same basic foods. How they prepare them is regional versus what they had, you know? Yeah. Everybody makes soup. What goes in the soup has to do with what grows around, okay? And, you know, if you look at it that basically to me, it all starts to make sense. And it's just having people slow down and realize. Now, what I really can't let go is when you were talking about people, too, when you're in your chair and they're asking the person behind you what you want. My closest friend, and unfortunately she passed a few years ago, happened to be white, okay? And I can't tell you how many times we went to restaurants and they, people would ask her what I wanted to eat. And she'd say, 
I don't know, ask her. I would pay with my credit card or my cash and they would give her my change. And we would just sit there and laugh because once again, totally unconscious. They didn't mean to offend me in any way, but I go, you do know I gave you that money, right? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's my change. She doesn't need yeah. it. It's, but because it's so inbred in us and I, I'm hoping that our listeners are getting a sense that maybe they want to stop and examine and look around and see because as we're wanting to be leaders in either business or homes, you know, whatever, you got to know that you're doing this stuff to fix it. Each of us has the capacity to make changes. Oh, If we make changes in our own sphere, our own families, our own social groups, when somebody's saying something where there is a bias, to actually very nicely challenge that. Absolutely. Then we can we can make a huge difference. And if you look at children playing in the playground, if the adults don't get busy, they just play. They don't. They, they might like Johnny better than they like Billy, but actually, it's more about who they get on with, and it's not about the bias. It's just simply that some people warm to some and not others. But they play nicely mm-hmm. until. The adults get involved. And at times teachers and at times the society around them actually create these artificial barriers. And it's got to stop. We've got to find a way, haven't we? And the first thing is to be aware, to think consciously, be mindful that what you're saying, how your body language is, how you are approaching life in general has an impact just like throwing a stone in a pond it ripples out and you never know where that ripple is going to touch do you absolutely absolutely i just think that i'm I'm hoping that our listeners are getting it that it makes you really want to stop and think about how i'm approaching things many years ago i was at a business function we were at a picnic and two little girls were there my niece and a co-worker's niece they were both three years old and they played together all day and you know they'd come and get snacks from me for the two of them they got toys and they interacted and the adults watched them play and we had a great time yeah the thing was my niece only spoke english the other little girl only spoke spanish yeah and they talked and jabbered to each other all day long without any understanding that they weren't speaking the same language and as adults we i just said like look they get it. They had the best. They took their nap together the whole bit. And there was a language barrier, but they were not aware of it. No. And I yes. think we've got a lot to learn from children. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're yes. coming to the end of our time together. And so what I would like to suggest to everybody who's listening to this is that you take the time to take a step back and to consider you know, the people that you know, who you, you mix with, you know, how you feel when you go into the supermarket and you see somebody who is different to you in whichever way, how you uh, operate at work. If you're a leader and you're appointing people, you know, what are the criteria you use and are they truly fair or are you using unconscious bias or even conscious bias and if so ask yourself the question what is going on there 
and help in your way to, to make that difference because we all have the capacity to make a difference. Now, Deborah, where can people yes. find you? What, tell people what you do and where they can find you. Okay, so I am the information diva. I'm an international author, coach, trainer, and speaker. The very best way to contact me is the information diva online at gmail.com. I can answer all kinds of questions there. Oh, I forgot to tell people if you're interested in traveling for business, we're headed to Canada next year. We're going to cruise from California to Canada to meet business women there. So anyone interested in that should get to me by email. And that again was the information diva online at gmail.com. Brilliant. Thank you. And I'm Gina Gardner. I'm an international best-selling author, speaker, motivational speaker. Um, I also am an, an empowerment coach and a transformational leadership trainer. I'm just about to launch later this month the Enlightened Leadership Program. Very excited about it. It's a, a, a 10-month expanded program. If you're interested in finding out more, go to the website, which is HTTPS, um, Enlightened Leadership uh, .co. That's enlightenedleadership.co or the general website is genuinely hyphen and then the word you.co. So we'll look forward to seeing you in a month's time. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Take care and remember to think about your bias and time perhaps to do something about it. So thanks again. Absolutely. Take care. Thank now. you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-you.com today to find out more.